Сейчас, когда он сядет, нажмите запись. Что-то камера, эта камера что-то отключилась. Включена. Все включилось. Опять включилось. Что такое? Что-то где-то с проводами что-то. Значит, на запись.
Krishna, 
All glories to your son All glories to your son All glories to Sri Guru and Sri In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Srila Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami has um, given us a verse which is an open invitation. Sri Krishna Chaitanya Daya Korahavichara Vichara Karita Chitta Bhavachanaka. And Srila Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami is saying that if you are interested, in, in logic, in argument, then apply it to the mercy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And by doing so, you will experience amazement in your heart. So, 
That is the very um, foundation of this movement, um, that mercy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Um, Rupa Goswami describes that as Namama Vaninyaya Krishna Prema Pradayate Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya Namme Guratvisa Namaha. And where we see that the topmost uh, love of God is made available to the most fallen. Uh, and that is uh, what happened. Uh, and not only what happened, but also what is happening. Uh, um, every day, every moment in our spiritual life. We are um, seeing how uh, people who have no idea um, are somehow or other becoming touched by this moving movement. Um, not only are some becoming convinced by the arguments that are found in in the books, but many are just unknowingly engaging in some devotional service. And um, that element of agyata sukriti, of unknown spiritual benefit, is, is tremendous. Um, it's like there's one example where in one lecture, Srila Prabhupada was um, speaking about the microphone as an example and saying, we don't need microphone. We use microphone to purify the microphone maker. <laughs> and if you just think about that, I mean, that's extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, the potency of this movement, the microphone maker, whoever it is, uh, is, is getting benefit. We can imagine so many microphones in a factory and somehow or other two microphones wound up in separate boxes in here. Whoever packed them that day, they get the benefit, and so on. Whoever had anything to do with it. If you think about it, and all the things that are somehow or other engaged in devotional service, and how many people are sharing in the benefit. In this way, um, this, the, the impact of the, of the Sankirtan movement is... is is way beyond our imagination. Um, but just um, by such revelations, we can begin to think about the mercy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and how far it extends and how the entire world is changed by, uh, by this movement and how our life is changed, and also how that all becomes, uh, that mercy is also available while we are uh, practicing our devotional service, and is very needed. Um, I was reading 
Chaitanya, uh, some, some writings of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur was speaking about Diksha Guru and Siksha Guru. And he was saying, the Diksha Guru, please turn off these phones. The, the Diksha Guru is um, basically giving the name and explaining the meaning of the name. And then the Siksha Guru gives so much uh, relevant instruction about spiritual life and how to practice devotional service. Now, it seems that in our movement, uh, this separation between Diksha and Siksha is not so, so rigid um, because um, when Srila Prabhupada was in Mayapur, there was uh, one of his disciples who met uh, a Gaudiya Matsanyasi. And one day the Gaudiya Matsanyasi said, Prabhupada is your Diksha Guru and I'm your Siksha Guru. And he told this to Prabhupada. Prabhupada said, you go back and you tell him that I'm both your Diksha and Siksha Guru. So that is there. Uh, but a lot of time is actually in our movement is simply spent with struggle, right? Discussing struggle. Struggle with, with chanting, struggle with regulative principles, struggle with living with devotees, struggle with institution, struggle uh, just uh, accepting every aspect of the philosophy, um, valiousness. So, so much struggle, struggle with our personal anartas, um, struggle with old habits, and a lot of time, you know, is spent. Uh, there are groups of devotees who are meeting because they have uh, a problem with the internet, that they go to the wrong sites and therefore they try to meet and overcome the problem. Yeah. It's, it's widespread. We are struggling. Um, so with that struggle, um, sometimes people also become hopeless. I saw um, someone just expressing to me this morning in a message that, like, I don't know how I'm going to go on. I don't want to live anymore. I call one of those I don't want to live anymore letters. Um, but that's also not isolated, huh? where people feel the struggle is too much. You know? um, so on the one hand, there's that element of struggle. And on the other hand, there is the mercy of Lord Chaitanya. So that mercy of Lord Chaitanya is not something abstract that we are reading about and say how amazing it is but it is something very tangible that we need, uh, that we need to make everything worthwhile. Um, hey, 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 Haribol, 
बाहर चलो बाहर चलो जल्दी जल्दी बाहर चलो Most of them 
are like rasik bhaktas who are just all day absorbed in Krishna consciousness. So in trying to follow in the footsteps in terms of, you know, becoming Krishna conscious, but we also have so many this, that, job responsibilities. So what does it mean to be Christian consciousness, Christian consciousness in that way when we have to also engage in so many external activities? It seems like our way of, of uh, practicing is so different. So how are we engaging in that same, not engaging in the same level, but aspiring to that same level of devotion? Well, it seems like there's so much interruption you know, we're constantly having to stop to do this and that. So. Well, your question is that, that we have our renunciants and then we have householders who have their various engagements. And so how can they be, how can they advance in Krishna consciousness? What should they do? Yes. My first answer is on my mind because of something else I've been looking at. They should strictly follow the four regulated principles. No intoxicants, no media, no gambling, no illicit sex. Should strictly follow the four regulated principles. Srila Prabhupada explained that illicit sex means dharma uh, viruta. Um, that verse is there, dharma viruta kamosmi, abhuteshu kamosmi, But sex is for having Krishna conscious children. Prabhupada said anything beyond that is illicit sex. So if we strictly follow these four regulative principles, then that will help us make strong spiritual advancement. Otherwise, it's sense gratification. And we're not for sense gratification, we're for devotional service. When there's the purpose of having children, then it's devotional service. And there's some other purpose, sense gratification. And, and Prabhupada said, it's the sex. So that would be my first answer. <coughs> Strictly follow. And then the second answer is, and chant 16 good rounds. Um, those were the Prabhupada's basic um, instructions, initiation, um, chants. I was just with Trivikram Raj, right? um, He was telling me that he was with Prabhupada in, maybe it was in London, I think so. And he was inside of Prabhupada. And Prabhupada asked him, um, when you chant, when you're chanting your rounds, do you, do you listen? And Shri Kramar gave him, I think, a kind of quizzical look, like, you know, of course, that's what we do, we chant and we, we listen. And Prabhupada, seeing his expression, said, you should chant, um, you should listen to very carefully. You should listen very carefully. So um, that's what Prabhupada called chanting 16 good rounds. So we should, that should be our aspiration, to chant 16 good rounds 
for Rajan Prabhu said, just hear one mantra, one at a time. I hear these transcendental sounds and strictly follow. Then Krishna will help us to make strong spiritual advancement. What's happening with your phone? What's happening with your phone? you were talking about the the mercy that comes unknowingly agyat sukruti when and suddenly someone joins the movement or um, gets into the bhakti um, so that is the initial stage where one knows nothing about bhakti gets agyat sukruti and then progresses on the spiritual path um, the stage comes in many people's life where um, they are in the movement for many, many years, but they don't feel that intense desire to serve. Or there is no intense devotional love that they feel. So that, uh, the mercy that was there before, was it just limited mercy that is now diminishing or? I, this sentence I could not hear. Could you repeat this? Yeah. Um, so somebody is, who is in the movement for a while, after many, many years, he's not feeling that intense devotional love towards the Lordship or towards the process. So how do we understand that Agyat Sukri that he had? Is it diminished? Is it finished? Or will it come back? Or it's totally up to the devotee how he progresses from that point onward? The Agyata Sukriti, or the unknown spiritual benefit of, uh, of devotional service that is uh, performed by, by people who don't understand exactly what's happening, brings us eventually to a point where we consciously choose for Krishna consciousness. We have developed some initial faith and we make that choice. Yes, I believe in this, and I'm going to practice. Then, um, in the beginning, there is a special taste, because we are free from so much struggle with the material energy. So, in the beginning, we feel we can almost fly in spiritual life. If we, we can be austere, we are, are very enlightened. But then after some time, we get into a routine. And it goes on over the years. And um, maybe, maybe in our mind, we've accepted a compromise. Maybe we've in our mind accepted, I will not attain the ultimate goal. It's too high. Anyway, somehow or other. I just try to stick around. So our, our initial idealism, uh, which was driving us, is now longer, no longer prevalent. And we're just 
following uh, to a level, and somehow or other, that's become our spiritual life. That is why it is the Nietzsche Kriya, the spiritual activities of every day are interspersed with Naimitika Kriya, with special events like today is Ekadasi. So where there are opportunities to make the extra effort so that we get back to this point where we say, I'm going to try. I'm going to really try to do something extraordinary. And I'm going to make that special effort. And by doing so, it says the Naimitika Kriya, or these special activities, bring new life to the everyday activities. That's why um, these occasions, such as Ekadasi, or all the Madhava Titi, uh, all the Titis, all the special dates related to Krishna are very important. Um, we should not forget, we can go back to Godhead. I was bringing up the point of mercy, right, to uh, highlight that we can go back to Godhead, not just by our own endeavors in sadhana. This movement is not just based on sadhana siddha, on attaining perfection in one's practice. This movement is based on that mercy also, a combination of both. We have to make our effort in practicing devotional service. And then there's so much mercy. So we can still make it. We can still go back to Godhead this lifetime, even if up to now we didn't always feel the ecstasy or never felt the ecstasy or maybe a few moments, maybe. Doesn't matter. Uh, that mercy can carry us. And at the end of our life, everything becomes more concentrated. Then we can, um, we can very quickly let go of all material distractions. Yeah. Now a phone is so distracting. When, when you're dying, you're going to still look at your phone at the moment of death? Did anyone message me now? <laughs> I hope not. Uh, my plan is, when it comes to that time, throw the thing as far away as possible and just focus. Um, so in other words, we should not give up hope. We can still attain full perfection. There is time. And the mercy is available. Praveen, can you see what these thunder wallows are up to and see if any improvement can be made? Can we have a little more treble on Jayadvaita March's mic? Treble a little higher? I cannot hear at all. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Maybe better. Hare Krishna. Uh, Maharaj, I have two questions. Um, One for 
one each, yeah. Uh, my first question is, uh, there are so many concepts and pastimes and different aspects of Krishna consciousness, um, which are sort of inconceivable. Which um, are? Inconceivable mm. for us um, mm. human jivas. Mm. Um, but there's also, it's also stated many times that we shouldn't just accept something with blind faith as well. Um, Could you? It isn't accepted with blind faith. Um, we sh it's stated many times in the Speak books. Slow, slow. Okay. Um, so how do we distinguish between, um, you know, our limited abilities to understand something, <laughs> our limited abilities to understand something, whilst also accepting um, these philosophies? How do we distinguish between blindly accepting and on the other hand, taking something as inconceivable. Prabhupada gives the <coughs> example <coughs> of the, the Brahmin and the cobbler who uh, were both devotees of some sort. And Nard Muni was on his way to Vaikuntha, and they each asked him that, oh, you're going to Vaikuntha. Please ask the Lord when I'll be liberated. So Nard Muni went and met the Lord. And by the way, these, I met this Brahmin and this cobbler. Yes, I know that Brahmin. He'll be liberated uh, after many, many, many lifetimes. And the cobbler, this is his last life. So then, how is that? No, when you meet them and they ask you what Narayan was doing, you tell them that I was uh, pulling an elephant through the eye of a needle this way and that way. So Narad met the Brahmin. Uh, did you meet Narayan? Yes. Did uh, you ask when I'll achieve liberation? Yes. Uh, the Lord said, after many, many, many births. And what was Lord Narayan doing? Uh, he was pulling an elephant through the eye of a needle this way and that way. Uh, Nard Muni always telling stories. And then Nard met the cobbler. Uh, same question, different answer. Oh, the Lord is so kind. And what was he doing? Pulling an elephant through the eye. Oh, Lord Narayan is so great. Uh, you believe it? Yes, why not? Uh, how is that? That I'm sitting under this banyan tree, and in the banyan tree, on the banyan tree, there are so many fruits, and the fruit, each fruit, there are so many seeds, and each seed, there's a tree. So if Lord Narayan can do that, what can't he do? So that was intelligent. It wasn't just blind. But he accepted that the personality of God had has inconceivable potencies. Even like a tree has inconceivable potencies. But why not the personality of Godhead? Uh, every living entity has some incon inconceivable potency. Uh, the crows fly. We don't know how to do that. 
So to accept the inconceivable potencies of the personality of Godhead is uh, reasonable. But there's a lot of stuff that's unreasonable. People accept someone as an incarnation of God, the incarnation of Narayan, just on sentiment. Uh, Prabhupada said, if you're Narayan, why are you begging from door to door? You're the husband of the goddess of fortune. Where's your goddess of fortune? And where are your forearms? So about unreasonable claims, we should be skeptical. But when it comes to the inconceivable potency of, of Krishna, what is the difficulty? Is that okay? Um, my second question was um, based on, Maharaj, what you said in uh, this Saturday's Zoom meeting that detachment is artificial and our focus should be on attaching ourselves to Krishna conscious activities. Um, you also said it's not that we wake up one day and decide that today I'm going to render pure devotional service. It's an ongoing process of doing that every day. Um, is it important for us to recognize at what point are we following that process properly and making that development? Or is it something that we're just, you know, fabricating in our minds that, you know, we have made that progress? I missed the last sentence. Is it, is it important for us to recognize um, when it is that we are actually making that progress or are we just... Bait, baiting that process, what? When we are making that progress making that or when is it that we're just sort of convincing ourselves that it's, it's working and I am making that progress. Is it important for us to know the difference? If I get it right, <clears throat> um, you're asking if, uh, if we should just follow the process and, or if every once in a while we should uh, reflect and see if we are making advancement. And, and Srila Prabhupada said, we can, uh, we can know that we are making advancement when material desires are decreasing. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's your detachment. Of course, we know that it's not just that material desires uh, decrease. At the same time, our attachment to serving Krishna is taking over. Uh, in the introduction of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Srila Prabhupada describes a spiritual life is like going up in a plane. And as you're going up into, into the air, everything on the ground looks very small. Matchbox houses, dinky toy cars, like that. So, uh, as we are getting attached to serving Krishna, naturally other things become smaller, start to look more insignificant. Some material pleasures that we were part of before, we lose taste for it. Yeah, it actually doesn't have real meaning. Yeah. Oh. To a point, you see, everything transcendental has that special dimension that you get eternal benefit of whatever you do. 
We're not just eating. With every bite, we're getting eternal benefit. Who could care about ordinary food, right? After you've had prasadam, just food, right? You lose taste for it because we develop attachment to that transcendental dimension of eternal benefit, eternal bliss that we are part of. In this way, we, our material desires will diminish. And we can check every once in a while if they're gone. Okay, to the ladies um, near the speaker. Have you turned it on? Hare Krishna Maharaj. Maharaj, how can we improve on our chanting? I mean, we've heard, but please. How can we improve our chanting? Yes. Prabhupada said, try to avoid 10 offenses. That's quality in chanting. He was asked, what is, what is quality in chanting? Prabhupada said, try to avoid 10 offenses. And you know, when we are chanting, they're always like, not always, but sometimes they're matajis and they're just talking, talking loudly. I can't loudly. make out what you're saying. You're um, speaking too fast. At times, um, the surrounding, there are Matajis, you know, they're just talking, talking, talking. So then I'll end up telling them that please stop talking or, you know, outside it's cold. So then... They're talking, I don't know, what's the problem? The Matajis are talking, men are talking, the whole world is talking. What do you care? You're chanting. Let them talk and you chant. Okay. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Uh, thank you so much, Maharaj, for your association. Like, I have one query. Can prayers change our destiny? Like, if we pray for someone, can it can change their destiny also? Can prayers change our destiny? Yes, Maharaj. Yeah, prayers are very important. Um, prayers are not just um, ritualistic mantras that are, are repeated, that are full of power, but prayers are directed to its superior personalities. And such personalities are full of mercy, so they can bestow their mercy upon us. So in this way, we can be benefited. All the Vaishnavas are praying, and every Vaishnava has some credit with Krishna, because Devotees, small or big, all have done service for Krishna. So that devotional service purchases Krishna. And therefore, Krishna is always inclined towards his devotee. 
So when the devotees pray, then Krishna is inclined to, towards them to fulfill their desires. So prayers are, are valuable and important and, uh, and mentioned in the nectar of devotion as part of the 64 limbs of devotional service. So there's vandanam, which are prayers in repeating what the previous acharyas have prayed because we are not so good at praying and we tend to pray for some material benefit or we tend to be, oh, Krishna, please give me strength. Krishna, please help me to chant my rounds. Krishna, please, this, this. Uh, when we see the prayers of the acharyas, they take it to another level. They glorify the qualities of Krishna and give us a better understanding of, of how Krishna is taking care how Krishna is connected to his creation and, and all his energies. Um, so the prayers of superior personalities are, are generally uh, what we focus on. Advanced Vaishnavas sometimes also compose their own prayers. So in the Nectar of Devotion, two categories of prayer are mentioned like that the prayers of the Acharyas, and prayers that are personally composed by uh, advanced Vaishnavas. We, for now, generally take shelter of the prayers of the great devotees. Just like when we take darshan, we are praying uh, through the Brahma Samhita. Yes, in this way, uh, the prayers of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, the prayers of Naratam Das Thakur. Such prayers are especially very powerful. Just look at the Guru Puja in the morning. If, if we would have to come up with some sort of prayer, right? uh, it wouldn't be anywhere close you know, to, to the level of, of, uh, of prayer uh, that is presented by Srila Naratam Das Thakur. Um, the lotus feet of our spiritual master are the only way which can attain pure devotional service. Bow down to his lotus feet again and again. We can, most of us can recite that translation also. What a prayer. What a prayer. So let us pray the prayer of the giants. Right? Because then we go really deep and we get so much benefit. So yes, prayer can change our destiny. Uh, I have one more query, Maharaj. Yes. Like, yes. Uh, <clears throat> when we do some services, especially some management services, so it's so difficult to make everyone happy. And many times we did so many offenses. So how can we save ourselves? Like, Pray. Pray. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> yeah, very good. Okay, I need a five-minute break.
just to elaborate, Lord Brahma had to create the universe and he had to create so many problems for the living entities. He had to create so many demonic species of life. So he was praying to uh, the Lord that I have to do this. So you please give me your protection. Yes. Prabhupada has mentioned uh, that we cannot buy our tickets to Vrindavan. Hmm. We have read about how the trees are not, about the trees, everything in Vrindavan is not material, but how can we fully comprehend the fact that we are not in a material? How can we fully comprehend? That we are just not in a material plane when we are in Vrindavan. That they're not on the material platform. You know, we can't just buy a ticket. How do we comprehend that Vrindavan is not just on the material? By service. Seva mukhi jivados vayameva spurachedaha. If we just come here to to sightsee and enjoy a nice prasadam at the restaurant, we may not see very much. One sees by service. One sees by service. That's Vrindavan means the place of pure devotional service. So if we try to render pure devotional service, we're entering into the actual Vrindavan. Without service, we won't see Vrindavan. Is that all right? Another question? Hare Krishna. Earlier you were mentioning that we should chant 16 good rounds. Hmm. Sometimes devotees sit in the middle of a class and chant devotees. japa. Sit in the middle of a class or a lecture and chant japa. Sit in a class and chant japa. Or in the middle of a big kirtan and chant japa. Is this offensive or? Well, we have to wonder where their attention is. If I'm sitting in the class and doing japa, it's hard to imagine that I'm actually listening to both, both the class and the japa, which means I'm distracted from one or distracted from the other. That's not very good. If I'm sitting in kirtan, maybe I'm tuning out the kirtan. Some people may be able to do that. There's no rule that you have to listen to the kirtan. But it may not be very easy. And, and why, why try it? You know, why, why be in an atmosphere where there is so much competition with what I'm trying to do, to, to hear and chant um, and japa? Hare Krishna Maharaj, you mentioned that most of the attachments will go, we will give up most of the attachments by the higher taste. Like you mentioned this example with prasadam and ordinary food. 
but uh, will we give up all the attachments easily just by higher taste? Or sometimes we can, come, we can come to the moment when we have to risk for Krishna to take to, to overcome some fear of giving up some attachments and not attain high goal and to lose uh, both opportunities to be happy and such fear if I give up something, but uh, the goal is so high that I might not achieve it and I will be just with nothing, such fear maybe, how to recognize that this is the moment when I have to risk for Krishna or uh, everything just should be by high taste easily. Generally, we come to this movement and we are kanista adhikaris or those devotees who have weak faith. And when we have weak faith, then it's very, very difficult to, uh, to just surrender because we are afraid. We're afraid that Yes, of course, Krishna uh, says he'll, he'll give all these benefits, but uh, what if it doesn't happen? <laughs> uh, um, then I'll have nothing. What if I give up my material attachments, my, the things that give me material pleasure, what if I give them up and I don't get higher spiritual taste? then I'll have nothing. I've given up my material pleasures and I won't have the spiritual ones either. So the, these are, this is Kanistadikari. This is the um, material, the Prakrita Bhakta, who has Kamalasrada, weak faith. A uh, Madhyamadikari, he has firm faith, Sudrida Nischai. And therefore, the Madhyamadikari, he believes in the words of Krishna, and he will therefore just follow whatever Krishna says and then leave it up to Krishna. It'll just depend on Krishna. Whatever Krishna will send me, I will accept. Whereas the Kanista is very carefully calculating, well, what... What am I getting? How is my life being affected by all of this? And uh, do I really want this? And uh, let's not go too, uh, too drastic now, you see. But so Srila Prabhupada emphasized that we should all strive to be Madhyam Adhikari. And so we have to take that plunge, the leap of faith. We have to have that trust that Krishna will catch me. Yeah. Krishna will catch me. He will not just... Uh, when I give up my, my material attachment, Krishna will not just let me drop into oblivion. He will catch me. That faith we have to have, and that's the Madhyam Adhikari level. So yes, if we dedicate our life to, uh, to, the, to the teachings in the scriptures, Yes, sarva karma krita hoy, then all good will come. All good will come of that. That faith is needed. And if we don't have it, we should 
follow those who do. Because by following those who do, then we may also do, even if our faith is a little weak, and we'll get the benefit. In addition to this question, uh, when we try to be like, uh, to behave like Madhya Matikari, when we strive for this, and we, when we pray Krishna that I want to give up some more attachments to dedicate myself more to bhakti, then Krishna will test us. Uh, is it really true by different situations in our life? And how to recognize the situations that now I should risk, actually, uh, because I have fear and, uh, and, how to, uh, and how to recognize and to deal properly with it. The, um, the instruction that we should become, uh, that we should try to come at least to the Madhyam Adhikari platform is not for special devotees. That is a general instruction for all of us. We, one cannot remain a canista. In, it is not like an option. Maybe we come in with weak faith because we don't have knowledge, we are confused, what is this all about? We are we're in the door, but our mind is still partially out the door. That is a normal beginning for most of us. But once we get a little bit of an idea of what is the actual process, how it is done, then we have to go forward and not be afraid. Uh, it's not like, can I, will I go too fast now? No, no, let us be serious about following what, uh, what Srila Prabhupada desired. And then um, Krishna will catch us. He will give us that inspiration. It's not that, now I'm going to give up so many things, what's going to happen to me? I will just lose all my temporary material enjoyment. I know it's temporary, but uh, at least it gives me something, and if I give it up, I'll have nothing. I'll just be in a black hole. No. Krishna is there. He will catch us. So we have to go forward. All of us, at least Madhya Madhika. Kishore is back. Uh, I have a question about avoiding a bad association. Because some, sometimes we are maybe around someone more often than we prefer who we see as a bad association for us. And I find that I've become conflicted because I feel like... You what? I find that I've become conflicted because I feel like it's almost like I'm holding a grudge. Every time I see them, I have to remind myself. This person is not a good association for me. And so, you know, okay, we also see everyone has some good quality. So I feel like, am I contaminating my consciousness by constantly trying to, like, it's, it's like, am I meditating on this person's bad quality? But also I have to avoid because I know that I can be affected. I'm not Uttamadikari, so I have to keep distance. So we, we know we have to avoid bad association, but sometimes we're circumstantially 
in bad association, and then we're resenting being in bad association. And then, I don't think I got the very end. Basically, I'm saying that, um, yeah, if we circumstantially find ourselves in a situation where we are around someone who we know is not good association for us, and in that, we have to remember this person is not good association. This person, and we have to remember that they're not good association. But it can feel like, oh, I'm holding a grudge against this person, or I don't like them. It's not a grudge, but it's a, an assessment. On the one side, of course, what kind of bad association? There's devotees who are simply lax or that sort of thing. And then there's Mayavadis, uh, woman hunters, uh, drunkards, you know, serious bad association. And it depends why we're there. You, you know, we go out on Sankirtan and we're looking for bad association. So that's perfectly good. We have a mission. But when we come back, we hope we're not in bad association, that is, in the association of devotees who are bad-mouthing other devotees who are, who are um, in some way wasting my time in materialistic t topics or what have you. So what to do? The sometimes we have to tolerate by circumstance. But all right, uh, this person is not the most advanced person. We wish him well. We hope he becomes more advanced. Am I right that you're thinking about devotee association? Yeah. The, he's not the most advanced, but we wish him well, and we hope that he becomes more advanced. Sometimes there's something we can do, do for him. I, a simple thing. I was chanting in the temple room uh, after the RT one morning, and in front of me there was some devotee from Delhi or something like that, and he's sitting there with his bead bag and answering his email or checking his messages, and, you know, 15 minutes, he's not just some message came, but he's absorbed in his cell phone and chanting his japa. And he seemed to be sincere about chanting his japa, but he was totally distracted. So I just went and sat down next to him. <laughs> because I was getting distracted. Watching him being distracted, I was even more, so I just sat down next to him and he sort of went. <laughs> So sometimes there's a, an intervention that may work. You may try something like that, or you just might say, Prabhu, uh, could we talk about X, something Krishna conscious? Or, uh, Prabhu, I, I just, my ears can't take it. You know, I've heard too much. I've reached my quota of bad news about devotees today. Could we talk about something, you know, some intervention that might help him and help you? Or we absent ourselves. I remember when I first came, there was one devotee who always wanted to buttonhole me and just talk 
Kajalpa, on and on. I was a totally new man. I was, this was like my first weeks or something. And one of my godbrothers took me aside and said that such and such person is just wasting your time. Actually, Srila Prabhupada told him to chant 64 rounds. Seems he had a known problem with wasting his time. And he's not following. So better that you don't associate with him. So sometimes we, you can choose your association. But we, we have preferences. We seek. That's why is Rupa Goswami pointing out different classes of devotees so that we can seek higher association. So sometimes you may just respect that devotee within your mind and look for some other person to associate with. What is that? Krishnaiti asya giritam manasatriyeta. In the Upadeshamrita, Rupa Goswami instructs that anyone who's chanting Hare Krishna, we should respect within our minds at least. And Dikshasti, what tad pranati bhis, tad bhajantamish. And we should offer our obeisances to anyone who's initiated following the process. And shru shru shaya bhajanapigya mananya nanya, and dadi shunya vinamipsitam sangalabha. We should seek very earnestly the association of pure hearted expert devotees. So we should be respect, first thing is we should respect everyone, and especially someone who's chanting Hare Krishna, and more especially someone who's taken up the process. But then we're allowed to be a little, what's the word? To, to, to have our preferences. Hmm? We're allowed to have our preferences. There's no, nothing wrong with that. But we should try not to be needlessly critical of this person. So that blah, 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 blah. Just all right. Somehow this is not benefiting me. Let me seek more congenial association. Okay, so there are different strategies. Hare Krishna Maharaj, so recently uh, somebody told you uh, that uh, like we are missing you Maharaj and then you replied uh, it's nice that you are missing me but uh, do you miss Krishna? <laughs> do you miss Krishna? And it struck me uh, this missing Krishna uh, it seems easier like missing guru or missing devotees, Vaishnavas than missing Krishna in uh, maybe our uh, our present level. So can you explain a little bit more about how to increase this missing Krishna in our lives? This feeling? This, this. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I was responding to someone who said, we miss you so much, we miss you so much. 
again, and then, yeah, then I said, well, okay, you know, uh, are you missing Krishna? Right? Because ultimately, it's in that relationship with Krishna um, that we are uh, finding our fulfillment. Uh, we have to turn to Krishna. We have to become Krishna conscious. Um, in the beginning, obviously, uh, by a conscious effort, uh, by understanding, you know, like we understand that we should be missing Krishna as something. Hare Krishna. Okay, I put it a little up there. So, uh, we should be uh, we should be missing Krishna, but uh, we are uh, maybe we are not missing Krishna too much. So that means we should become serious about cultivating Krishna consciousness. At least we become aware of the fact that we are not missing Krishna. So now let us uh, hear more about Krishna. Let us serve Krishna. Let us get more involved in Krishna consciousness. Then, that, then our attachment to, to Krishna and to serving Krishna will develop and we'll start to miss Krishna more and more. So at this stage, we're at the stage of just cultivating Krishna consciousness. But at least we can meditate on it. Oh, I'm not missing Krishna that much. There's something missing in me. That is the point. So let me cultivate that attachment to Krishna by serving. Switch, switch up. Hare Krishna. Um, I wanted to ask, how do we learn to see the positive in seemingly negative situations? And how do leading... we balance the positive in dealing with negative situations? And also, how to not make yourself a victim how... in those situations? Uh, see. We have two problems here. One is I have a 30% hearing deficit. I heard it really well. You heard it all? Yes. She said, how can we see the positive yeah. in, even in a negative situation? And, uh, oh God. and how can we not be a victim? How can we get out of the mood of being a victim? How do we see the positive in a negative situation? And how do we get out of the mentality of feeling like we're victims. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Of course, the positive is, is Krishna. As soon as Krishna's consideration is placed first, then everything becomes positive. The Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, sings someplace that 
adversity in your devotional service, I will consider to be a pleasure. Hmm? There's some verse like that. The negative, actually negative means becoming stronger in some way. Negative negativity makes us stronger. There's Prabhupada had to go through so much trouble to come to this country, and not this country, the other country, the one I'm from. Uh, so all heart attack is a very negative thing, and then so many negative experiences. But he just took it as uh, Krishna's business and Krishna's mercy, and pushed on that way. But the you know, negative, how do we see it as, as, as positive? Just change where you're standing, change your point of view. The, even if I'm a victim in some way, that's also some sort of opportunity. Not that if I'm being victimized, I just say, well, you know, um, let this grievous business go on. to the extent of being foolish. But where there's negativity, that can be to our advantage also. Prabhupada gave the example that in the, in the share market, in the stock market, <clears throat> sometimes prices go up and sometimes the prices go down. But the expert trader doesn't care. Up or down, it's all good for him. And the price goes down, he buys cheap. When the price goes up, he sells at a profit. So in that way, everything's an opportunity for devotional service to Krishna. When we see it that way, everything's an opportunity to become stronger for Krishna's service. Then we're good. Is that all right? Thank you. Hare Krishna. Uh, Marjorie, you were mentioning how the um, reign of mercy of Lord Chaitanya is everywhere. Um, and then I see me in my bubble of struggle. How to always be cognizant of the mercy? Mm -hmm. um, for that, we need association. We need association with devotees, association with the books, association with kirtan. So it's, it's lack of association that covers us over. Right? But in the association, we begin to see, we begin to, uh, the clouds are lifted a little bit. Right? The fog disappears. So it's really um, associating again and again with devotees. So like we are associating, having these discussions, we hear these questions, answers. Um, and in this way, um, we start to think, okay? and little by little, our affliction by ignorance disappears and begin to see the mercy everywhere. And the more we see the mercy, the more we get hope okay? that I can do it. If we don't see the mercy, although it's all around us, it's everywhere, right? 
But if we don't see it, then we don't, then, then we struggle and we see no hope. It's a hopeless situation. I'll never get out of this. But if we see that mercy, then we can see, yes, I can overcome this. Not on my strength, but there's so much mercy. I can overcome this. Um, sometimes it kind of feels like my ignorance is like more potent than, you know, kind of the instructions of Vaishnavas or something like that. Because I think like, you know, Mahaprabhu was on the planet and like we didn't all go back to Godhead then. And I kind of think like, you know, we've had so many different... Okay, back to what I was saying before. Um, I have a 30% hearing deficit that makes life difficult. <laughs> And the other difficulty is that, like most ISKCON meeting rooms, this one was designed with zero attention to acoustics. <laughs> so as a, a workaround, if you would speak slowly <coughs> and clearly and loud enough, holding the microphone close enough, then maybe we'll have a fighting chance. <laughs> And slowly means very slowly. Okay. Yeah, um, we've had so many, like, great Vaishnavas, you know, over the past hundreds of years. And still, it's like we're all still here on the planet, just kind of struggling to, you know, have whatever kind of sadhana we're doing and stuff like that. Struggling? You know, just to do our sadhana and stuff like that. Like, for myself. Struggling with our sadhana and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, and just okay, being a devotee in general. A hundred years with great Vaishnavas, but we're still here. Yeah. And we're struggling with our sadhana and so on. So does that mean like, you know, for me, is my ignorance like more potent than all these? Like, you mean, why have they gone back to Godhead and I haven't? <laughs> <laughs> not, not exactly, but like you would think that, you know, like, for example, Mahaprabhu is like, if, if everyone didn't go back to Godhead when Mahaprabhu was on the planet, then why should I have any hope of going now? They wanted to go back to Godhead while Mahaprabhu was on the planet. Yeah. So then what, what's the question? I'm, say, I'm saying, like, if, if they didn't go back then, when Mahaprabhu was on the planet, then why should I have any hope of being able to go back if now? If they didn't go back to Godhead, why should I have any hope? Yeah. How do we know they didn't go back to Godhead? That's the first thing, I suppose. Well, but even if they didn't, Suppose during Mahaprabhu's time, there were some devotees or others who didn't go back to Godhead. Let's assume that. But that doesn't mean that they didn't make progress. In the Bhagavad Gita, that question essentially is raised. It's similar to the question that Kadamakananda Maharaj was, was talking about that we, you know, we make some progress, we don't make as much as we want. But the... Kachchinno bhaya vibrashtas, you know, 
I've given up my material life, but still I'm not getting anywhere spiritually. Maharaj was talking about that. But so Arjuna raised that question to, to Krishna also. And I'm nowhere. Kachin nobaya vibraj does. Then I'm nowhere. Krishna says, no. Whatever progress you've made, that's your permanent asset. So if I make 70% or 40% or 90% progress in this lifetime, I get to continue my business from where I left off. In one sense, that's what we're all doing. We made some progress, presumably, and so we're here. But we didn't finish the job. So Prabhupada said, now finish the job. You shouldn't think, well, I have infinite lifetimes, 2% this lifetime, 4%. If, if we can, by a good association, develop that eagerness, that let me finish my job. Let me go back to Godhead. Then the prospects are good. Not that, yes, prospects are good. It won't be lost. You get to continue. But then with that opportunity, let me take it. Let me grab it and run. Is that okay? Hare Krishna Maharaji, there's a first line in Chetu Darpana Marzanam. So uh, the first line, like if we uh, bring uh, complete transparency, like purity from mind, purity from uh, thoughts and, and everything. So how it work to uh, get the perfection uh, or to go, go to, uh, back to, back to shelter, back to God it, how it, uh, how it work basically the Chito Darpanam Marjanam, because everything matter about consciousness. More you become a pure conscious, more you elevate yourself. Like modern science also say, creativity comes from peace of mind, and peace of mind comes from purity of your heart. More your, more your heart is pure, more you get the abundance of knowledge, everything. So how does it work? Like, Chito Darpana Marjana. Chito Darpana Marjana. The mercy of Lord Chaitanya is coming in different ways. In some ways, it comes uh, in a mystical way. Simply, um, the Lord desires that we are advancing. Mercy can come like that. But a lot of the mercy comes in a very practical way, that we have to do something. So in Chaito Dharapanam Marjanam, there may be purification happening in an automatic, mystical way. But what is especially accessible to us are the practical instructions that we can follow. So therefore, we begin to follow the process of Vaidhi Bhakti. By this process of Vaidhi Bhakti, we become purified. When the living entity is in the material world, he becomes covered. Avritam jnanam etena yoginam nichavairina kamarupena kuntaya dusparena nadena cha. He becomes covered by lust. As a result, he gets more and more entangled 
in the modes of material nature. Right? And in this way, the living being has become thoroughly entangled. In the 15th chapter of, uh, of Bhagavad Gita, this, uh, this Adasaka Uda Mulam, this Banyam tree that is upside down. Um, so many branches of entanglement. So now we take up the process. And suddenly we're dealing with all these branches of entanglement in our consciousness. So it's, therefore, it, it takes some time. Tadara just So gradually, the influence of the lower modes starts to disappear, and we become more fixed in the mode of goodness. And as a result, uh, we will be more in transcendental knowledge. Then we are more clear what to do, what not to do. And in this way, the cleansing can now really uh, begin properly and we begin to make more advancement. Uh, and in this way, we go to the various stages of bhakti uh, where eventually we develop a desire to serve Krishna. And then our bhakti comes to a more spontaneous platform, and so on, and so on, until love of God fructifies. That is very advanced. But for us now, the focus is on, on, on taking shelter of the rules and regulations so that the influence of the lower modes of nature can become purified. Like that. Uh, should we desire desire uh, should we desire for Krishna or we should surrender our consciousness to Krishna? Because if we desire anything, then like we get a lot of desire, like do maximum book distribution, lot of means lot of desire uh, get attached with that. If we uh, if we involve with the desire, and another side is that. Uh, Shall we surrender our consciousness with the uh, pure holy name like Hare Krishna? Then, then so what should we do? Should we uh, desire for Krishna or we should uh, be uh, step by step uh, surrender to Krishna? Surrender to uh, Krishna our consciousness. Okay. okay. So both. First of all, uh, when we say should we desire, it means that we are trying to awaken desires in ourselves driven by intelligence and knowledge. It's not that it's a desire is spontaneously arising from the heart. So in the earlier stages, uh, we are approaching spiritual life like that. We are looking at what we should desire. I should desire uh, to serve Krishna. I don't really desire it, but I should. Uh, but because I don't really desire it, yet spontaneously, therefore um, I'm focusing on serving step by step and going through the process of Vaidhi Bhakti, regulated devotional service. But I keep the ultimate goal in mind. I should, I should desire to, to, to be with Krishna. In, in, I should desire it with great eagerness. I'm not desiring it now, but I should. So we keep that in mind as our ultimate goal. But meanwhile, we are 
focusing on the present, which is step by step to uh, seriously apply, apply the process of devotional service. Hare Krishna. Um, a devotee from America, Sachimata, she had a question and she's wondering um, sometimes a devotee, they've developed really good qualities and everything's going. Sometimes a devotee, what? They've developed good qualities and they're doing well devotionally, but at the time, the end time of their life, they might have a prolonged period of suffering, like due to a health complication or an accident. So she was wondering why, why that would happen to a devotee. Why do devotees sometimes go through health complications or accidents? Intense yeah. suffering. Intense suffering. While they are very nice devotees. While they're very nice devotees. Because we have these material bodies. Material body means there has to be trouble. Prabhupada, when he had his, when he was in America and he had a heart attack, he said, Krishna, he said, Maya took advantage of my old body to give me a slap or something like that. So we have these bodies. What can we expect? It comes with the territory. There must be some trouble on account of this body and also on account of our past activities. Hmm? The Prabhupada gave the example, the fan is still turning, although the plug is, is pulled out. Yudhisthira Maharaj went through so much trouble, Pandavas went through so much trouble, so many devotees have gone through so much trouble. That's the material world. Material world means Dukalia, a place full of trouble, but Ashashvata. The whole material world is temporary, so certainly the troubles are also temporary so we have to put up with them and again they become positive they they become sources of strength by undergoing trouble one gets the opportunity to become stronger okay thank you is it also true that sometimes uh, a person who has been very sincere may get some extra purification just so that they can yeah. uh, go back to Godhead? <laughs> that verse is there, Tate Nukampam Susamikshamana, a person who patiently endures the difficulties imposed by the material world and goes on offering obeisances to the Lord from the core of his heart becomes an eligible person for going back to God at Mukti Padesadayabhak. So in the commentary, the Acharyas say that Krishna, that our troubles are designed in such a way, like custom designed, so that whatever we're getting is good for us. 
I get my trouble, you get your trouble. They're all a little different. But my trouble is particularly designed in such a way that it will help me. So as Maharaj was saying, we may burn off in a short while lifetimes and lifetimes of, of difficulty. And we can think that I'm only getting, I'm getting just a fraction of what I deserve. I cut my hand, but my head could have been cut off. Hmm? Or should have been cut off. So somehow, by Krishna's grace, it's minimized. Uh, although it may seem like so much. But if we put up with it, then we become purified and we become mukta-pade-sadhyabhaki, eligible to go back to Another question? In the back, on the side. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us something about the preaching activities in Vrindavan when Srila... Tell you something about the... Preaching activities? Preaching activities. In Vrindavan when Srila Prabhupada was here because we read about the Bombay Pandals and the Calcutta um, programs but and, and the big Mayapur festival. And I was wondering, um, in Vrindavan, did anything... Something about the preaching activities in Vrindavan. I can, I'm not the most qualified to tell you about that because I wasn't so much in Vrindavan. I would only come during the Mayapur Vrindavan festival, Kartik time, Agor Purnima time. And so that was the extent of my presence during Srila Prabhupada's presence here in Vrindavan. That said, the Vrindavan festival itself was a major preaching activity. Prabhupada established this Vrindavan temple. One major reason was to give the opportunity for the foreign devotees to come and be enlivened in Krishna consciousness. So that was a major preaching activity. Devotees would come from all over the world in big numbers, especially relative to how many we were back then. We were coming in large numbers from all over the world and associating with Prabhupada and other devotees and getting uh, enlivened by the Vrindavan atmosphere, by everything concerning Vrindavan. That was a major preaching function of Iskand Vrindavan. Of course, there was a Gurukul here, which was meant for preaching and training devotees. The guest house was established during Prabhupada's time so that people could come to Vrindavan and get some, not just devotees, but outsiders, get some opportunity for making spiritual progress in the association of devotees. The guest house wasn't just meant for making money, it was meant for giving people an opportunity to advance in Krishna consciousness. So that was going on during <coughs> Prabhupada's presence. 
the Prabhupada wanted that retired Hare Krishna yourself. Um, You know, we've got competition. Yeah. The Prabhupada wanted that retired people come to Vrindavan. That was perhaps not fully actualized during Prabhupada's time, but he wanted that. At one point, the guest house was full of um, children and, and women. Prabhupada wasn't happy with that because he wanted to make it a, con a conducive place for retired people. Who aren't interested in you know little kids running around and all of that but so that was another purpose if not uh, fulfilled so much but it was started at least during Prabhupada's time the question was what preaching activities were going on here during Prabhupada's time the of course for people to come from locally, from, from Vrindavan, from Delhi, and so on. And the people would be impressed, especially by the standard of the deity worship, by the kirtan, especially um, with foreign devotees. That was all quite a novelty during Prabhupada's time. Probably you, most of you don't have an idea about how bad the deity worship was in Vrindavan in most of the temples during Srila Prabhupada's time. It was um, really miserable in some of the important temples, just some cloth was thrown over the deity and the schedules were all irregular. And um, basically it was like a, a family business. We show the deity and we collect some money and, and, we, and our family eats. <clears throat> and the, the, the deity was almost, you know, it was just like a, a statue for attracting a few paisa, a few rupees. Um, some of the temples had higher standards. Radharamana temple always kept a higher, higher standard. But in some of the temples, it was really miserable. So when Srila Prabhupada established the Krishna Balaram temple was established with a very high standard of cleanliness and dressing and uh, kirtan and life. And so it became very quickly um, a popular place for people to come and people would be uh, impressed and amazed by the, the spiritual atmosphere. So that was part of Vrindavan's preaching also. There was also book distribution going on. But again, I wasn't here except for a couple of weeks a year, so I can't take too much more. Um, there also was, uh, Prabhupada had a special desire that the, uh, the Bhaktivedanta Institute would mm -hmm. be very prominent here. And uh, next to the Gurukul building, of course, all these buildings were being constructed. So to get the Gurukul up and running, that was preaching. That was asking everyone to get to give a son, right? Give one of your sons, put him in the school. That was it, you know. That wasn't just books. We want your son, put him in the school. 
and then next to the school, Prabhupada wanted a hall, right? Mm -hmm. And in the hall, he he wanted it fully dedicated to the uh, the preaching of the Bhaktivedanta Institute, which was headed up by Bhakti Srup Dhammadar Maharaj. And uh, he gave a lot of uh, prominence to that. Yeah. Right? And, mm -hmm. and, you know, for... Even even after that hall was never built, but then at least a portion of the of the ground floor in the Gurukul building was always reserved for the Bhaktivedanta Institute. It was untouchable. Mm. Right? Even after Prabhupada left, we didn't dare to touch. And in Prabhupada's last days, there was that life comes from life conference, and Prabhupada was so much involved in encouraging the scientists here in Vrindavan. Normally we would have had some kirtan at the end, but uh, they are serving prasadam right now. I see. Because it's a codicy. That's we see that people are leaving, and uh, so maybe we should just. Uh, and it is one thirty, so maybe we should wrap it up. As it is. I just follow. Yeah. No, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. From from a manager's point of view, it makes sense to just cut here and say, uh, please go and take some prasada. And thank you very much for being here. And we hope to meet you again. And uh, for now, we'll keep our weekly meetings here because as you see, the weather is, uh, is still uh, not really suitable for going out to some holy places. So better to better to a cozy place like a nice warm hall than to freeze outside so we'll keep it here for now so hope to see you again for the next program thank you very much I'm seeing him. Oh, you're going there, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm about to see him. Hmm? He's the senior man. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm the... No, no. I have that relationship with him, you know. He's my almost guru. He's one of my sixteen gurus. And in my life, he has... Uh, it was interesting because... Uh,